Hello and welcome to podcast number three of Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show. Today we go to Perth and we introduce you to Harvest Recruitment's Perth consultants and they speak of their experience in WA, particularly in the engineering and construction markets. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show, where successful managers and experts share their insights to help you recruit and retain the right people in your organisation. Now here's your host, Marie Harris. Hello and welcome to 2014, a new year, a new beginning, and we hope that you've started the year well in your business. At Harvest Recruitment, we aim to assist managers, select and retain the right people in their business. And our Seeds for Success podcast show has been specifically designed to help you source, select and retain the right people in your business. Today we go to Perth. It's exciting. Um, We've got a brand new office in Perth. Uh, We're in Stirling Street in um, the North Perth Precinct. It's just just near the Northbridge Cultural Precinct. So if you're a Perth person, you will know where we're talking. So um, I was over there recently and I caught up with our two consultants, Anna Pearson and Bronte Anderson, and we just explored what the market looks like um, across the engineering, mining, oil and gas and construction industries. So if you are in those sectors or if you know of someone in that sector, please feel free to listen or share our podcast as you'll pick up some really good tips today. We also cover what's happening in our forum and some news and views that are happening or that is happening in Harvest HR world. Uh, Talk about some upcoming events. We'll respond to a listener question and then we'll get into the, the, the chat that we have with the Perth consultants. So sit back enjoy. I mentioned that we're heading to Perth today and Perth has a a very um, heartfelt um, just feeling that that always evokes in my life I guess. Um, I met my husband overseas and when we settled we settled in Perth so we lived and worked in Perth for 10 years and it's a place that's very close to home and when I established Harvest Recruitment on the east coast because I came back for family reasons to Victoria. I was very strong about wanting to maintain my connection with Perth. I love WA and I love going back there. And I think establishing the Perth business was good to do, not only from a um, heritage client perspective, but also it gets me back to a place that I absolutely love and have that heartfelt connection to. But enough of me being soppy, let me get on with the show. Uh, So what we've got today, today we're going to be talking about some new year topics. One is staffing for growth. A lot of companies come back with two key elements that they need to look at. First of all is the um, turnover of staff. Quite often there is some change that occurs from Christmas and to the new year and we do lose staff that after they've had a break, they want to explore different directions. But also as a business, how do we launch the year? So how do we look at growth opportunities and what are some of the indicators that we need to grow? We're also going to talk about some of the latest arrivals on the scene in harvest recruitment world. And you need to know those because there's a lot more ways where 
by you can connect with Harvest Recruitment and Harvest Human Resources. So if you've got any feedback and any dialogue you'd like to leave with us, there's lots of opportunity to do so now. And we're also, of course, introducing today's guest, which is our none other than our local consultants on the ground in Perth, Anna Pearson, who's been with our business for 18 months, and Ronty Anderson, new recruitment consultant to Harvest Recruitment. But we've welcomed her with open arms. And they're going to explore the market in Perth and give you um, yeah, a heads up of what's going on in Perth in WA. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Today, I'm going to answer the question, which often comes up uh, with a number of businesses, big, small, and in between, is, am I ready to hire? Quite often, I find there's organizations that perform extremely well and they absolutely need to hire because they are stretched at the seams, they're busy, busy, and they're at risk of losing clients if they do not grow. Um, other organizations have had a downturn and a lot of companies, particularly in Perth, would be facing this, um, where the mining sector was in boom world, then it's softened slightly. We'll say softened, we never say it's bust in WA. And there's that potential need to recruit again, but the conservatism that starts to um, present itself within these organisations stops managers from considering growth because they grew, the boom was there, the boom retracted, projects were either um, just taken off um, the project list or they were put on hold and an indefinite hold, which meant companies started to lose money on the projects that they were working on. And the eventuality was that people did have to leave their business. And I've seen a lot of companies go up and down significantly in Perth. So the question that I'm going to answer is, yeah, am I ready to hire. And here are some key considerations that say you are definitely ready to hire. Um, First of all, the department or organization is constantly busy. And it's not just a a flash in the pan busyness, which can last for a few weeks. It's constant busyness, um, which has gone six weeks, 12 weeks and longer. Um, That indicates that you've got a enough work that's going to carry you on and sustain you for a longer period of time. And your staff are starting to expend too many hours and they are getting stretched to their limits as well. And no one wants to have a good group of employees leave because they've been pretty much hung out to dry in terms of their workload. And they're, yeah, just, they're just so tired and so fatigued that they end up leaving you just purely to get a break and to have an easier, easier stretch of things. And I I saw that with one of our candidates where she'd had some significantly large employers in her background and history. And she'd gone to a, and I hate to say it, she'd gone to a government department. Not all government departments are bureaucratic and slow and, you know, just stayed, but she'd gone to um, a government department of an organisation that was definitely Um, a few steps back from the busyness and stress that she had in her previous role. And she said, look, I just need a timeout and she'll get back into the stress and the busyness of her discipline. She was in procurement, but at the moment she's taking time out. But if you're an employer and your department and your organization is constantly busy, 
key signs that you need to grow. Second is if customer turnaround is stretching out. So if your delivery points are being pushed out, um, that means you've got a number of employees juggling a lot of different activities and you're not meeting your standard timelines that you deliver on and your customers are accustomed to you and the industry in which you play delivering on. So be mindful of that because if your turnaround's stretching out, they may well go to your competitor to get the delivery unless you bring people on board. Third is if you've got and been awarded new projects, how good would that be? Like you've been on the tender list for a dozen or so projects and you've been um, awarded the key projects within your industry. And that immediately has staffing ramifications because there might have been a team that were under um, utilised, but once they come onto the project deliverables, they normally very quickly um, get up to their full capacity and you have to then bring on the next group of people. And normally when you tender for projects, you'll have a certain staffing and capacity planning around delivery of that project. The same goes with new products as well. If you've launched new products and there's take up of those products, it tends to need another group of people to deliver on those products. The fourth is actually if you start to get customer complaints, customer complaints should not be dismissed. And if you're a proactive manager, I'm sure you do not dismiss your customer complaints. But um, some of us are guilty of excusing the situation and quite often um, managers will say oh we got that complaint because you know we were just busy for that period and we just lack the the people and that customer got cheesed off for that reason Um, but just go into that reason a little bit further um, and what was it and is it common? Um, so you're looking for a theme around your complaints. Is it always the same style of complaint? Um, and does that indicate that, yeah, you might need more resources? Uh, I had a situation where a candidate who was on an assignment in Perth, in fact, um, was not communicated with in the time frame that he should have and I would totally accept responsibility for that. Um, We had a number of staff away on leave and we're only a boutique business. So key people away means um, just only a couple are taking up the slack and we were all stretched to our limits. And yes, that candidate did fall through the cracks. However, it was because we had staff on leave. So once those people were back from their holidays, it was business as usual and service delivery came back to its norms. But if you're finding a theme and a theme with your customer complaints and you can actually pinpoint it to personnel, it might mean that you need to hire. And I've touched on this as well, um, which is that the staff are getting fatigued. So a very good indicator is and staff fatigue comes out in a whole host of ways, um, but if you've employed a very proactive and enthusiastic person and then they suddenly become grumpy and angry and very defined on their position description, that can um, be an indicator that they've just had enough. They've had a gut full, they've been going for too long, um, or they just start to disengage. So someone who was very interested in the management meetings and, and taking on specific side projects no longer puts up their hand. That is demonstration of st- staff fatigue as well. So any of those signs, if you've got them present, 
that there's some key indicators that you do need to consider growing your business. Uh, we've put two YouTube videos up, which is again, very topical um, for the start of the year, which is um, how do I know if I'm ready to hire and some key considerations for staffing for growth. So if you go on to our website, harvesthr.com.au and look at our videos, you'll be able to see our latest two um, installments around staffing for growth. So have a look, um, not just a listen to Harvest and you can see some of my thoughts on um, staffing for growth. Over to Harvest HR's forum now, we have a lot of news and views to share with you because, drum roll, we launched harvesthr.com.au's new website. So um, we launched our first website in 2010 and it was it was a good website. But now we have a great website and we're really pleased. We used um, Goop, uh, which is uh, a web de- developer here in Victoria, but they do have Perth clients as well. And they assisted us with a fantastic website and it has a whole lot of bells and whistles. So we have information on recruitment. We have information on outplacement, career coaching. We have our videos. We have our blog. We have our job search engine. So you can find the jobs that we're recruiting for. We have frequently asked questions. We have alliance partnerships. We have, of course, our podcasts uh, and so much more. We also have an events page. So I will always announce our events and our events page is on our website as well. So plenty to look at listen to and experience in recruitment and HR world. And even if you've got friends who are in that career transition stage, we've got products and services around that. So lots on, lots happening. So any questions, if you've got questions that you would like answered in our forum, um, our Facebook page is growing by the day. Um, I think we're at 450 followers recently. Please go to Harvest Recruitment on Facebook and you'll find us. Um, Or also you can go to our LinkedIn group. So if you find us on LinkedIn, it'll be Harvest HR and Harvest Recruitment. And our group name, I think, is Harvest HR. Any questions that you'd like answered typically get asked on those forums. So feel free to send it through and we'll talk through those um, questions in our next podcast. I'm just looking at our events page of our website and we have a whole host of things that um, we've launched for February, which I'm very excited by, but I have to go into our events page to be able to let you know what's going on. So excuse me as I sort of shift around on my computer. Uh, We've got um, an events page on harvesthr.com.au. So it's harvesthr.com.au forward slash events forward slash um, or just go onto our homepage and, and navigate your way to the events site. And we have monthly breakfast briefings that kick off in Victoria and we'll be holding quarterly breakfasts in Perth. So this is what's going on in 
February. So on the 18th, we have our careers workshop in Victoria that's held in our Geelong office from 9 to 12. So anyone out there in Victoria who knows anyone who's on that career search journey, um, mark the date in your diary, the 18th of February at our Geelong office. The 20th sees us launch in Victoria again, our Harvest HR breakfast briefings. And we'll be focusing on the topic again that I mentioned in the listener question, which is staffing for growth. So we'll be talking in greater depth around staffing for growth. And we'll be following that breakfast with a webinar on the 21st of February. So if you do miss out, on the actual breakfast, which, as I said, is localised to Geelong, you will be able to access the information for the breakfast briefing um, on the 21st of February. Then we are flipping over to Perth at the end of February, so just heading into, I think, one of the long weekends in March. And on the 26th of February, we have our careers workshop in Perth. Now, we have done a lot of career shop workshops in Victoria, but not so many in Perth. But given the softening of the economy, it's a program that we do wish to present to the job seeker audience in WA and just give them a few tips and tricks on how to increase their chances of gaining their next role or potentially finding out what they want to be if they don't want to be or want, don't want to do what they're doing now. And that's the 26th of February in our um, Perth offices and our Harvest HR breakfast briefing launches in Perth. And we talk about the changing face of the 457 visa. And that's something that's come under a lot of scrutiny, particularly in recent times as the, um, as the Australian government, I guess, has been tightening the belt on bringing people in from overseas. So just some changes. And we've, we're delighted to have Dan Engels, the CEO of Interstaff, which is a immigration consultancy to join us for that breakfast. Again, that will be held in our North Perth offices. So go onto our events page. We've got lots coming up. We will be hosting breakfasts and career workshops monthly. And so if you miss out on February, you can look at our dates for March and onwards um, for events that we've got coming up. We're delighted to have some feedback to share with you and to share um, more so on the job seeker side. Um, as the year starts, employers often do not commence recruiting in employees until February and into March, and we expect that. Um, but the job seeker audience has not stopped and they in fact click into high gear when the year starts. So we had our careers workshop here in Victoria uh, last week and we had a small um, participant group but we always hold them it's something that I'm passionate about and I will hold the workshop no matter how big or small the audience if I have to um, do a one-on-one -on -one career coaching session I will do a one-on-one -on -one career coaching session so last last week we did a careers workshop and it was for someone who had come from one industry sector and he'd worked in radio and um, the media and he then moved into real estate sales probably burnt out by that sector and if any of you have been in real estate you'll know that it's quite a um, challenging industry to work in and he was wondering what the um, 
I guess the combination of those skill sets would bring him. But we do some more profiling. We look at um, just generally what people are passionate about, what they enjoy doing, where their strengths and natural talents lie. Uh, And we also do a career drivers survey. And based on our findings, we actually can steer the conversation in terrains we've never thought possible and particularly the job seeker never thought thinks is possible and we did that last week and we opened up a whole host of avenues and our job seeker has a lot of homework um, because yeah we were just exploring different avenues that he was skilled and qualified to to undertake and so we've got some feedback and I've actually put it on our website why not um And he said, what did he say? He said to us, thank you for an excellent session. Your experience and knowledge has been invaluable. So I think we're on the right track with our careers programs as well. And it's something that if we're not helping employers recruit, we can actually help them with the transition of staff out of the business. We have qualified career coaches um, and we have experienced recruiters that can use their recruitment experience to help a job seeker gain significant traction in their recruitment and employment endeavours. Today, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our Perth consulting team. We have Anna Pearson, who joined us Well, she joined us in 2011 when we were micro, we were such a tiny business, and I do love Anna so much for taking the leap of faith and backing Harvest when we were hardly an entity to be backed. Uh, And Anna has come from the recruitment industry. She's got a very strong traction in that space. Um, She gained an arts degree in Leeds in the UK uh, and qualified in history and politics. So she's well-read, well-traveled, and can give a lot of insights on a lot of different things. Uh, But Anna's career in recruitment commenced uh, with a boutique property recruitment company and there she recruited property and real estate. Um, She moved to a bigger organization and recruited more so in the construction, particularly the commercial construction industry. And then she left there. She went in-house and did um, an HR role with a not-for-profit, with a, which opened her eyes to one, not-for-profits, um, but also for um yeah, what what are some of the pressures that recruiters and HR managers face in-house? And then she joined us. So um, she joined us in 2011. And as I said, we were tiny, tiny and worked with us for six months. Um, then she went away um, for um, probably about 15, 16 months and then joined us again in November 2012. And She's a delightful addition to the team and Anna's just been so good with our clients. We are very strong with our approach to our clients. Um, We partner with our clients. We discuss uh, recruitment and HR topics from a strategic level and Anna has performed this role superbly in Perth. She works with the top shelf 
um, property companies, the first and second tier construction companies. She's worked with engineering companies uh, and she's just done a, a fantastic job. All of the clients that we've worked with, um, whether I've introduced Anna or she's brought them along with her, have been relationships that have all gone deeper. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud, I guess, to have someone of Anna's ilk in the team. And we also have newest addition, Bronte Anderson. Bronte joined us in November last year, so November 2013, and it was probably um, what precipitated our move to a, a beautiful bright office in in Perth she uh, worked with or she's she's had a quite diverse career but all the time in HR and recruitment uh, Bronte has and is studying towards a diploma in human resources she has worked and she's had some time in Australia in recruitment um, and then she went to the UK um, for a change of scenery and worked with Unilever in their recruitment services team and recruited a number of roles um, for a major brand in the UK and, well, a major brand worldwide. Unilever basically produces a number of what we would see as commodity, cleaning, cosmetic and um, household goods that we would see on our shelves at home. And then she returned to Perth um, and has spent the last probably 12, 15 months uh, working for an in-house outsourced recruitment provider to the engineering, mining and oil and gas sectors. So this is where um, companies bring an outsourced resource in-house and the difference is instead of outsourcing one recruitment assignment, you have access to that recruitment resource in-house for as many projects and assignments as you need to have filled. So it's quite economical if you're going through bulk recruitment times because for a day rate, you might get multiple placements, which when you weigh it up with out sourced recruitment services can be a more economical model. Um, and she's gained a significant exposure to the engineering companies recruiting for the mining and oil and gas space, um, as well as contractors um, to that, that industry as well. So both Bronte and Anna share their insights. And I would say stay tuned for the next episode because they're going to tell us what projects are going, what the the changes to the industry are, and they're relevant for the sector right here and right now. So let's welcome Bronte and Anna. I'm in Perth. Um, We've just launched our office here in Western Australia, just moved into a a new office in Perth and have been here for the best part of the week, um, assembling desks, chairs and organising all the peripherals that go into a new office. And I'm delighted to have as guests today of our Seeds for Success show, Bronte Anderson and Anna Pearson, our two consultants that are based in Perth for Harvest Recruitment. So, Bronte and Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Now, I left Perth in 2009. At that time, Perth was booming. Construction was was strong, mining and oil and gas projects were strong. How would you describe in general the Perth landscape now? 
Well, I think it's had its ups and downs, like you were very much right in 2009. It was booming so quickly after the GFC, and I think a lot of people could even say it didn't. GFC didn't really come to Perth. Or it was very light on with regards to redundancies, etc. But so there's some very strong projects over that time. But I think we are certainly feeling some pinches now. So from probably 2012, the iron ore prices fell. So there's a real strong um, sense. In mining, a lot of people were made redundant, and that was a ricochet effect to the EPCM organizations as well. Um, and I think construction, you know, there's been some great projects, Fiona Stanley, the New Children's Hospital, um, the Elizabeth Keene, which is an under development at the moment, and that's going to be a huge um, thing for Perth. But within that time, the mid-tier construction market really... Um, I guess felt things probably early this year as well. I mean, I remember there was about three companies went into liquidation within a week of each other. And I guess rumors, Chinese whispers, I guess uncertainty in the market. I think that's been felt a lot, especially over the last couple of months. And I think the, the message in all industries is, optimism still but very much roll on 2014 let's forget 2013 and and hope for some uh positive signs which there certainly is with mm. regards to all of the new projects that are still um going ahead and it's more the transition of mining from construction to operational and and dealing with that and it's still a, a huge lucrative business and it's going to be for you know many many years to come mm. i saw those mid-tier construction companies go into liquidation earlier this year and we've seen some even more recently um, go into liquidation. And I felt that was quite strange because mm. there is that particularly a civil construction boom happening in the city. So is there any rhyme or reason why these mid-tier contractors I think, did go by the yeah, wayside? I think the GFC. Too. So going back to 2008, um, I think there was a long time after GFC where there was maybe even, you know, bad management or pushing it to the back of the mind and just not, um, you know, thinking about it. But I think it's a ricochet effect, clients not paying on time, subcontractors not paying. And certainly saw, you know, a lot of smaller subcontractors have, have gone under because of the larger companies, the client, the operator, just not paying their bills on time. And that can only be sustained for so long. And I think the the companies that the larger companies that went into liquidation very closely to each other, I think it was twofold. It was a lot to do with with management, and I guess putting their head in the sand for a long time, and I guess buying work as well, which has certainly been rife mm. in the Perth market. You know. I was speaking to an estimator and they would be putting in at 0% profit and markup, but yet they were still losing projects by quite a substantial amount. And that kind of, I guess, work 
just hoping that variations are going to be able to claw um, you know, profit back. It's a very risky game. And I think that was something certainly mm. that played a part yeah. in that. I mean, I caught up for lunch with one of the directors soon after um, the company had been in, gone into liquidation. And I guess his attitude was, you know, it's a really tough market. There's a lot of people... Um, struggling but I guess my perception on that is sadly there is but I guess it's how you you deal with and and how much you've had to I guess invest and Mm. put in yeah Yeah. thanks Anna and Bronte what have you experienced in in the landscape you've been back in Perth for two years you had an overseas stint and I did so tell us your experience over the last couple of years in Perth um, well, I guess before I left, um, the the industry was was at at its peak. You're right. Um, not sorry, at its peak, but quite buoyant. Um, definitely that rolled into 2010, um, and things were really quite picking up, especially in the oil and gas side of things um, and construction, as Anna was saying. Um, lots of projects were being awarded. Um, there was, you know, even the, the, the much smaller, more boutique uh, type businesses, they were certainly at a period of growth as well because they, you know, the, as we say, the little players were actually getting a piece of the pie. Um, there was quite some significant um, projects that kicked off, number one being Gorgon. So that certainly That's multi-billion, out. isn't it? it like would, Gorgon has been... Yeah described around Australia as just the jewel in the crown absolutely for so many years and yeah it's almost like the rest of the Australian economy is riding on the Gordon project yeah I mean that's been a real sort of key uh key piece of our sort of history I guess Mm. in terms of oil and gas um one good thing was that you know the, the gas was pretty much sold before the project even started so that's really been a a uh, apple in the eye of everybody you know all the operators would love to have you know a project of that sort of scale come on board of their books and unlike the other projects there's been projects that I've seen in Western Australia that have paused or been Mm. put on hold Um, but I guess you get to a point where you 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 pass the point of no return and Gorgon got to that critical point where no matter what was happening in the economy it was always going to continue on exactly and I think that's where it's coming to play on how the gas has Mm. already been pre-sold so you know before it's even operating it's already generated sales so I think that certainly helped that along but one but yeah you're right some things have been put on hold one in particular for uh in browse um up north there it was always believed through woodside that it was going it was basically promised as an onshore gas processing facility at James Price Point. And just a couple of months ago, they've now sort of changed that decision and they're now going to switch technologies and do floating LNG, which is something we've not done Mm. over here in Australia. So that's new and exciting from a technology point of view. Not so great in terms of the government loving one of our operators here because that was going to sort of create, I think it was around about 3,000 jobs here on shore mm. in WA and uh, now that's not going ahead. So there's been a few mm. uh, bitter conversations mm. Uh, mm. back and forth. But, yeah, those have been some pretty significant mm. milestones of, over the past three years in terms of what's shaping the industry mm. and, and what's to come. Mm. I guess oil and gas... You know, we need it around the world. Um, Australia, I think, is very quickly coming up to be, 
I think it's second um, in the world in terms of how much we produce and what we actually export. Um, we're one of the biggest exporters of that resource. Um, so it's certainly something that is always going to maintain Australia. Um, but, you know, I think we need to get up to speed in terms of new technology and, and new ideas Um but thing, you know, our biggest issue is that it's just costing us so much in terms to actually get to those points. Mm. So would you say the oil and gas sector is um, still buoyant, holding steady or on um, a decline? It's. I feel that it's had a bit of a decline of just recently. We've had um, a number of projects finish, um, particularly up um, north. So that's been a key point as well, that we've had a lot finish but not a lot starting. Um, a lot of companies were waiting to see what government party were going to come into play, um, which sort of held off on a lot of things. Um, yeah, in particular, the James Price Point project mm. not going ahead, that certainly put a lot of unsteadiness through some companies. Um, but and yeah, it has a I whole think flow and effect to the exact, supply chain. Absolutely. I remember when Gorgon was was going very strong and then the Browse project and there was going to be this resource shortage Absolutely. throughout the state. Yep. Fortunately, I guess Gorgon has continued and we haven't really been pushed uh, right to a, the, the the final stage of mm. re resource shortage. Yep. Um, but now we're finding it's moving a little bit towards the other way where we've actually starting to get a, a surplus of supply of, of people and specialists exactly. who've come out of the oil and gas yeah, space. Yeah, because I, I guess one common theme is that, uh, you know, companies will, I guess for a word, preempt what they're going to need mm -hmm. um, and I guess recruit prior to, I guess, being signed on the dotted line. Some people have learnt from that mistake. Um, some people sort of, you know, will also sort of bring in their key players and then they'll find out that they haven't won the tender or so on and so forth. But just from a lot of projects finishing up and not a lot being awarded this year, we have come into a bit of a surplus. Um, yeah. So okay. there are lots of companies that have made a few redundancies. So, again, they're all sort of just mm. holding out till 2014. Yeah. And so what will... Um, just explore a little bit more and we're getting a feel for um, Anna where your specialization mm. is and Bronte where where yours is so um, tell us Anna what tell us about your specialization and what your clients challenges are when it comes to recruitment mm, for sure well I guess uh, for the last seven years it's been mainly construction um, but certainly I would say over the last three years that's kind of I guess broadened to technical, so I've kind of dabbled a little bit within the, um, I guess, more so within the EPCM environment or EPC and civil construction, so kind of focused within the mining and oil and gas sector, but I guess more recently it's kind of still been very much the commercial construction property as well, and then I guess just keeping it as long as it's technical that kind of side of, of things, that's where um, certainly my strengths would be. And I guess what I've seen is uh, over the years, people finding, I guess, good people is always going to be a challenge. And I think hard, soft markets, whatever, finding that right fit 
um, can even be more challenging in a softer market just because the people aren't, say, as, I guess, ready to, to move. They, they want security, stability, and they're very conscious of that, making the move is this company. You know, do they have a strong pipeline of work? That's very much a, a question most candidates within that market do ask with regards to, you know, pipeline, when does this project end? How If I do move in the next three years, am I still going to be employed by that um, employer? And I think for, for a company to have that, um, you know, being able to assure that to their um, employees is is something that is is very much um, you know highlighted throughout and I think the most recently finding there's sadly still skill shortage especially within the property side and construction side you know to find those I guess when the market softens I guess people believe that there's a lot more people in the market so their I guess expecta- expectations of finding you know, that wish list, you know, the 10 out of 10 seems to be, you know, I guess top of the agenda, but it's, it's very much, it becomes, I think, like I was saying, harder almost to find that, that skill short person because they're not, you know, I guess. They're not the ones looking and that are out in the market. Mm. So there's there's been this relinquishment of staff across mm. the economy. Mm. But the clients are not looking for those Exactly. They're looking for the ones that are still employed mm. on projects yep. and gaining those people. Yeah. Okay. For yep. sure. And I think, you know, there's been not so much now, but over the years when redundancies um happen, not not all of the time, but a, a lot of them have been, you know, I guess remnants from that boom era where they just had to have a bum on the seat almost and certainly you know back when redundancies were made you know the first round the second round you know could be quite often seen as well rightly or wrongly but to an employer lacking well if this person has been made redundant why have they been and you know what were they you know how were they integral in that that team almost so it's again um you know working with clients to educate that you know that perception is not always the right one and to be open-minded when um you know Mm. looking at people's project experience and um abilities not Mm. just to kind of judge on that that fine and a lot of like working with a lot of companies you find the companies they'll have that retrenched worker and and they immediately assume something must be wrong yeah, because they were the first to be retrenched. When yeah. you know, when it's cost cutting across the board, mm. the good and the average go. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's good, not bad, just ugly. The, yeah, doesn't they, doesn't matter yeah, so, if they've got to make decisions. And it's quite often, you know, the expensive. It's cost. You know, the salaries if they've you know pushed, especially when in this in Perth market with inflated salaries if someone has kind of pushed for that higher salary bracket then that is certainly a key consideration when mm. um a company when cuts are made well, mm. for yeah. sure for sure mm. but I think you know I guess going back to it the, the key thing that that my clients that I've been working with have struggled is is just still the skill shortage mm. you know in in certain 
areas and I guess being able to um, offer stability and you know the, I guess more of that work-life balance and everything that people generally are looking for mm, mm. nowadays okay. as well. Thank you. Um, Bronte what about your your specialization and um, some of the challenges your clients have faced with regards to recruitment? Yeah so my specialization um, I guess which is also a, a, a personal interest and, and passion I guess um, is within the oil and gas uh, sector um, that spanning through uh, to engineering, uh, construction, you, you really technical roles, which I really love because I love a challenge. Um, I love sort of really drilling down and, and understanding that person's role. Um, so that's, I guess, where I fit. Um, and you know, have been across uh, mining and also offshore as well. Um, I guess, yeah, very, very similar similar to what Anna experiences in, in her industries. Um, you know, number one is skill shortage. Um, finding those people that actually do loyally love their job um, and that fit into the culture. There's a big culture piece now, um, especially with um, companies that are set up like consultancies where, you know, they – need to be able to have they need to enjoy being seconded out to a client and then coming back into their their everyday sort of employment team going out to another client that type of thing I mean that can be quite disruptive in, in someone's day-to-day uh, working life but um, certainly there is a big push on culture um, for your really high technical roles um, I think clients don't you know that culture piece comes second because they're there to be technical they're not there to be a people manager because let's all face it not everyone can people manage um so that's sort of those key points that they that they can very much consider and and struggle on um and money Mm. in oil and gas there's just a big push on salaries which you know let salary increases from the candidates and employees or salary um, restrictions increases. from an employer's perspective yeah, there's still a lot of people out there that that still somehow can still push for the big dollars um you know whether they've experienced the whole the peaks and then and then the gfc in 2008 and then back into the peak again in 2010 um you know there's still a lot of people that still perceive that that is what they're entitled to so expectations from yep. individuals high Absolutely. On the front. Yep. And, you know, if you're in a technical role, you can just about demand it. Yep. And unfortunately, it's created a non-loyal group of employees mm-hmm. because they'll just walk up and down the terrace and go to the next person with, you know, the next next big, biggest dollar to mm-hmm. offer, mm-hmm. Um, which is really unfortunate. There are mm-hmm. still a lot of companies that, you know, that sort of, they don't mind that because they they can succumb mm. them out to somebody else at a, at an extortionate rate because you know they'll mm. they'll pay that money. But there's still a lot of companies that refuse to sort of do that, which mm. is good in a way because somehow the market needs to mm. correct itself. Mm. Which you know the, the laws of what's happening at the moment. I think that's probably mm. something good that may come out of all of this. Um, but yeah, very much it's still dollar is a Mm. big factor because if you're in one of those companies that you know you're not assigned to a project and you're straight on to overheads these companies can't hold it Mm. that's right because it it is such a premium premium package that these specialists are on 
Why do you think, so we've talked about property and construction mm. and oil and gas, skill shortages across the board. Um, what have, have you discussed with your clients or um, about why this is so? Is it just because the industry internationally took off and there just wasn't enough people training, there was not enough mm. education because yeah. Yeah. Like, we've got some highly technical roles that I think, you know, imagine Gorgon when, gosh, how many years ago did it start? 12 plus years ago mm. when it was just probably mooted as a project that conversation should have been ha- happening with the mm. yeah, institutions and the universities of, you know, we've got this major, absolutely biggest project that Australia yeah. has seen in, in its history. Yeah. We need to be educating more engineers mm. to skill up for this yeah. and we need all of the then downstream, like even the tradespeople, yeah. Yeah. fabricators are just short in supply yeah. for those sorts for sure. of projects. Yeah. So is there any sort of thought or like just reflecting on it, um, what yeah, if we were to have our time over that this mm. skill shortage wouldn't be in place? Yeah, I think you were very much right with regards to education, you know, and there's been, uh, I guess, over recent years, a huge push into universities, but I think you're very much right. We kind of knew what was happening, so mm. it should have been a huge push. Mm. Not when there's a skill shortage, yeah. but to preempt the mm. the skill shortage. And yeah. I and it wouldn't have, you know, I guess solved all areas, but it would certainly mm. um, have, I guess, taken the the heat off. And and I guess for for employers as well to get pe- young graduates and to train them up, they generally are the most loyal or apprentices they tend Mm. to be the most loyal um group and they'll stay with them for as long as they're looked after they don't tend to stay with them for for many years to come Mm. so that's certainly something that I think you're right it was you know I guess uh, yeah Mm. missing the that opportunity Mm. yeah I think that would have been a huge help Mm. certainly yeah I think there's also two other factors I guess from my point of view as well is that um, we expanded uh, or well we experienced an exponential growth in across all industries this is in Western Australia, Australia? It, well I think I think in Western Western Australia especially mm. um, but across Australia as well um, where we were just absolutely kicking goals in terms of industries and what we were achieving and mm. projects and and you know Australia became very very flourished. Um, and I think we grew and experienced that growth quite quickly. Um, that happened quite quick. That I no think, form of yeah, formal exa- education could yeah, catch up. Yeah, but also just, you know, in the blink of an eye, there just mm. all of a sudden mm. we had so much work that we didn't have enough people mm. to fill it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think that was one thing as well. There was no sort of organic growth in terms of companies mm. able to put those people in mm. places. Um, For sure. On the side of that, I think, you know, there was very much a case that we were just putting anyone and anyone into a mm. role could be a majorly inflated title um, for what that person's key experience uh, and skills could achieve. And I think that now that it's come to the crunch and we've gone over that big growth bump, I guess, um, is that, you know, when it really comes down to it that people that are required to do some technical piece of their role or quite a high-skill-orientated role as well, mm. these people sitting in these roles can't do it. Mm. And now that they're going out to look for those people, 
mm. they're at, they actually aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's also, you know, the other side of it as well. Mm. Aside from the fact that we grew really mm. quickly, we've also got these people in these roles mm. that, you know, they they can't necessarily do that or they had no previous experience to yeah. get up to that title that now when it comes to the crunch, we actually don't have those people. Mm, there's not that underlying skill. There's not that yeah. underlying skill, exactly. And, you know, we have unfortunately that's created um, a lot of mid tier and higher tier roles um, that, you know, instead of getting rid of a lot of people, they're just creating new roles as well um, in terms to fill that skill, which therefore is taking away budget and headcount in your lower levels. So there's actually the lower level graduate entry level roles is the quickest declining Mm. section of Mm. employment at this point in time. That's interesting. It's like the... um the salary caps in sport where a team has a salary cap and yep. you get two players that are on an enormous yep. package and then the rest of the team's on, yeah. you know, not, yeah. not, not yep. such an attractive rate. Exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, they just, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the entry level is just, you know, it's very, very quickly decreasing. They're just not making or yep. creating roles for those graduates. Mm, mm. Um, you know, they're creating a lot more sort of senior level roles to fill that skills Mm. or technical shortage um, which therefore leaves no Mm. sort of openings to have them coming up from the ranks and from the education being trained up exactly so obviously this is where you ladies shine is finding the unfindable so how do you assist your clients in finding those people Mm. that are very short in supply. They're, they're not going to apply to an ad. You can't just put a, an ad on a job board and they'll come running mm. through the door. What sort of um, advice would you give if you're if you're going, look, to go beyond, um, not giving the whole game away, but, you know, to go beyond just the standard recruitment and attraction strategies, what, what sort of um, methodology do you need to employ to, to actually find these people that are that needle in the haystack? Mm. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you really do need to drill down exactly what it is you want in A, the person, and exactly what key aspects of the role are required to do that role well. Mm. I think there's... Is there a compromise that quite often companies need to, mm. to I, look I think at? so, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where, as a recruiter, that's where you can really sort of nail it, in for better words, um, and that's where I think that's really where I think we get our money's worth is being able to understand what it is are going to be the absolute key factors that they need mm-hmm. for the business mm-hmm. and then what it is of either the, the softer side of things that can actually be that compromise, I guess, mm-hmm. if you So they might not be it. as technically skilled but <laughs> they have everything in the culture and attitudes and yep, attributes. Exactly, and, and they may be looking for a company mm. that wants to do X, Y, and Z, and that may be exactly aligned to what the company's growth for the next three mm. years wants to be. Yeah. So yep. it's finding that sort of match in other areas yep. that are really going to sort of make that candidate shine mm. in the right area yeah. and the right company. Okay. Exactly, and I, and I think really with regards to looking at what will that person do so obviously if they're a a manager then they can employ the technical person Mm. underneath they've got to have a you know an understanding but their main strength has to be that people management and an understanding to or potentially growth you know business development it depends on what 
that role is going to, you know, lead you for the business, whether it is just going to be looking after their personnel or, or do we want to grow the business in this direction? As long as they've, you know, got that technical understanding, they don't need to be the, the expert because mm. they have mm. the people within mm. the organization mm. yeah. to do that. And then mm. at the same time, like Bronte was saying earlier, you know, if you have that, if it's a technical role, then, you know, the, the personality or, or those kind of things, you know, can be, you know, the importance can be stepped back a little bit because it is being able to be that expert and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the engineer needs to have that focus. They don't, and, and an estimator, they don't need to, you know, be the life and soul in the mm-hmm. office. They need to be, you know, the number down, crunches. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bam up. So it's just really drilling down. Yeah. So I think certainly for people, mm. it's just taking a step back mm. as I think really important. Yeah. Not just thinking, right, I've got, you know, um, a management role. I need to find a manager. Let's, let's do it. It's just taking that step back, really kind of assessing, assessing the mm. role. What, you know, make sure there's a job description if mm. there's not right one. Yeah. You know, when, and, and make, does it make sense for the team and company overall? Yeah. Exactly, mm. yeah. and really ask those questions mm. about what that person will be doing. How will mm. they help in the organisation? What will they be bringing to the organisation? Mm. And I think once you've got that really drilled down into the organisation, then to find that mm. person is that little bit easier because you need to before you start looking, mm. you need to know what you're looking for. Yeah. If you've got a vague idea that hopefully when we see it, we'll employ them, you yes. kind of need to have a structure and I think asking the important questions to yourself or you know with the team first I think is very important and in getting the candidate pool skill shortage they're not around do you have to employ what we call search strategies or we might call it more informally networking now yeah Um, to get the names of people that you could be talking to is that one of the approaches Mm, that you uh, enlist yeah. to actually start to gain that pool of candidates mm. by which to talk with. I think it's key. With regards to the yeah. role. Yeah, yeah very much so. Yeah. Network and, and having yeah. that ability to, you know, really talk through and, mm. and ask the right questions mm. and, yeah. you know, kind of. Yeah. yeah, and being that objective third party because yeah. organisations quite often cannot approach people from exactly. within their competitors exactly. but yeah. at arm's yeah. reach um, yeah. that's something and a service that you can provide. And, yeah, we're seen as, I guess, unbiased as well. Mm. We can be, you know... We can, for a, for a candidate, you know, we can present, you know, more than one option mm. for them. So the candidate does see us as, you know, well, quite an unbiased mm. Mm. viewpoint. So then they can kind of chew the fat almost with regards to delving a little bit deeper into the, into the company before making a decision. And hopefully when they go to, to interview, they've already had that conversation and thought about well what would it be like if I was sitting within the organization so an interview as long as you know it it kind of runs parallel they're almost already kind of almost there with regards to to being with that company yeah very Mm. good and this is a, a segment, if I can touch on it, um, where we can learn a lot um, and perhaps some clients out there and organisations will um, be able to resonate with some of the stories. Uh, do you have any horror stories that you've um, experienced in your recruitment career? Well, I think one that really does stand out, but I think it's more for um, 
candidates perspective is um, really um, it was for a major um, tier one contractor to work. It was a health and safety position and the, the job was verbally offered, accepted, but the candidate without receiving a contract handed in his notice. And yes, so the very swiftly handed in his notice once he accepted the verbal offer, then the tier one contractor was able to source someone internally because their offices over in in Queensland weren't doing so well. So they brought someone over from their Queensland office. And of course, this person was left without a role and it was in the time when things were really starting to be tied up in the um i guess the the mining sector within the health and safety environment so this was you know kind of back end of 2012 you know so he was then unemployed for a long time from mm. that so i think the major lesson is if you are looking and you have made that decision and you are offered the position, always just make sure you read through the contract mm. before and get the signed contract. Signed contract and making sure that the contract is what it appears to be as well and make sure that you are definitely happy mm. and make sure things are amended before. Mm. So you hand in your notice when you are 100% committed and comfortable with whatever's in that, that mm. contract. So I think that is... Um, certainly a lesson learned and I guess more of a, a, a funny one mm. is but from an organization's perspective mm. if you're a national company be clear that there's exactly. no one yep. elsewhere in the company exactly. that can do the job before you even go external exactly because sometimes states do operate in a vacuum yep. and Very they go so. we Absolutely. need someone yep we don't have anyone yep home base so let's go to the market and then mm. head office calls and says by the way we've got 10 of the same yeah. that could come over tomorrow yeah, exactly. so having that very broad view of the company overall yeah, and starting so there mm. before you even go external such a common occurrence <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. i need someone quick you know yeah. you get five recruiters on the brief and go oh actually yeah. there's all there was always someone all along all inside yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so that's um mm. very much important for both mm. sides yeah. it's um, a lesson a lesson learned and, and, the, and you had another story but more just um i guess a little bit funny with regards to um medicals so just for people who do have to go through drug and alcohol so this was many many years ago it was for a, a again a large um contractor that specialized in fabrication and they were bringing over um a project manager, which I had found in New Zealand. So this was time where, you know, heart of the, he was South African, but was in, in New Zealand. So needed four, five, sevens, etc. Brought over with his family and everything was great, but they hadn't um, had medical yet, but he had um, eaten a orange and poppy seed muffin before mm-hmm. the medical. And so obviously opiates appeared Within And it was very touch and go because of the visa situation. So it was a good week of, you know, can we still go ahead and what does this mean? And it was really drilling down. And luckily, after a couple of days, he went back and was obviously tested and it was, it was all, fine. all fine. So I and guess his opiate addiction. <laughs> <laughs> or orange and poppy seed. Exactly. Robin probably hasn't had one since. Exactly. So I think, and, and you know, when I was 
dealing with with him you know he was a family man bringing over his children he was just mortified because about this testing positive to a drug test so I think I guess is you know these tests have to be in place and there's so many more companies that are doing rigorous with it doing them and random you know drug and alcohol and most things now have been tailored so you can spot low levels and it you know it could just be cold and flu or whatever but Mm. you know just to save just be careful yeah Mm. don't eat orange and poppy seed muffins what about you Bronte (laughs) any anything that you can gosh there's there's probably a whole handful that I could probably tell but um I think one in particular was um I had an absolute star candidate that was going in for a final interview stage um quite a senior role um and uh, didn't show up for an interview but didn't call, didn't ring the client, uh, absolutely no word, and uh, finally tracked him down after about 12 hours of phone, email messages, had completely barraged him and said, you know, where are you? What? I, can you please just let me know what's going on? And he finally called me back the next day and uh, said that um, one of his parents had actually passed away. So I had no idea and I felt really, really terrible because I had thought he'd let me down. But, uh, yeah, it was on the weekend and the interview was on a Monday. So I felt absolutely terrible. Sent a card and flowers and (laughs) apologised. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, there's so many, Mm. but I think the biggest one is just honesty. Just be honest about what you can do and what you want to do Mm. because we try to present you in the best of light and really draw out your skills and experience on what is really good that you can do Mm. and we can't do that if you're not honest. Exactly. Well, just in closing, um, would would you like to offer some advice to hiring managers who are looking at employing some of these um, skill shortage disciplines uh Mm. is there any words of wisdom that that we can part on today I think really spend time you know it's a very important decision and I think it's very um it's it's going to be make a break within the organization and if you get it wrong it can cost you know a lot more than a person's salary so I think just I guess recapping on what I said earlier as well is really you know make sure before you go into that process that you know the areas that are very important and maybe you know make that list of you know key things that are going to be um you know able to make this person succeed in the role and then you know take a a step back and really analyze that before going in but just spending the time it's a it's a costly process so I think if you've got you know if you've made the decision that you know you need to either backfill a role or it's a you know it's a new role within the business it's just having that um, and there's plenty of advice out there if you are unsure about the types of questions that should be asked or the type of, um, you know, structure that an interview should take to get, be able to see that whether this person can, in fact, deliver on the, the, the key five things that are, are very important is just, you know, there's always people to ask. The, always ask the questions before. There's there's plenty of people, including us, that can can offer um, 
help and advice before going into the decision-making process because the last thing you want to be doing is, you know, realizing that, in fact, the, the person that they thought what, that they were isn't quite up to, up mm. to speed. So yeah. I think, yeah, just mm. the key things. Time, if you need to ask those questions, there's people out there to being able to be able to help you as well. Mm, that's great. Great advice. I think that the take home is if you're unsure and mm. and mm. there's something you whether it's a gut or yeah. instinct or if it's you you just haven't got the answers throughout the mm. interview. Yeah. Uncertainty often yields to the wrong kind. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about you, Bronte? Um, I guess just on following on from what Anna's comments were is um, also try and sort of think outside the box a little bit. You mm. know, if there's if there's um, not wanting to invest in that in that position, then perhaps maybe think, well, you know, we we can put this person on a contract basis and then switch them to permanent if it all goes ahead. Um, you know, if you feel that they're the right person but you're not quite sure on how it's going to go, you know, you can still invest to see what's going to happen and, and whether it does come to fruition for your ideas or your planning um, or otherwise, um, yeah, you don't have to fully – it's not so much about not making a commitment. It's about let's let's see how we go from here and whether we can actually make it work. Um, and I guess go with your gut instinct. Mm. It's always yeah. right. Yeah, mm. always it is right. A, it is a, a scientifically proven mm. true feeling. Mm. So, yeah. you know, if that's not right, then that's not right. Mm. And I think all of us will have had mm. an experience when we've gone against it and, and it's not. Then kicked yourself six yeah. months later when the person yeah, exactly. drops off for, for one reason or another. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our session. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you, Bronte, for being part of our podcast show. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. That was a fantastic recap of the Perth economy by uh, Bronte Anderson and Anna Pearson. I gained a lot from that. It was a really good um, sort of bringing up to speed with market sentiments particularly. And for me, and I think what we can take home with us is that Perth has had its ups and downs um, in the last 12 months in particular. Um, projects have come, but also projects have gone, and perhaps projects that were not anticipated to go went, and that had a big impact on the economy. Um, there's still a degree of optimism. Um, Gorgon in the northwest for the oil and gas space is still kicking goals. Um, it's moving from, I guess, its development through construction to operating mode. So, it, that brings with it a different audience and a different group of people again. Um, and there's also optimism around construction where there's new projects. Um, Elizabeth Key is just one of Perth's biggest projects, um, I guess, in the CBD from a building perspective, and that's got civil and built form components to it. Uh, and so, that, so that's bringing with it a whole supply chain of um smaller construction needs for second, third tier and beyond um, contractors um, in the construction space. So that's positive. Conversely, though, there's been companies that have struggled. Companies went to the wall in 2013. So despite um, there being projects, whether projects, particularly in the big project arena, when projects get put on, ha on hold, such as the Browse Project, 
that has a significant flow and effect to the full supply chain. So all suppliers to the Browse project were sourcing um, and growing for that demand and then it was gone overnight. So there were, there's been a recalibration, I guess, in Western Australia because when big projects disappear, the flow and effect also um, has significant consequence. It was interesting to note that in both sectors, construction as well as engineering and particularly EPCM supply to mining and oil and gas, there's still skill shortages. So whether it be the fact that there's just not that specialised resource that is required to fulfil a particular project need or whether um, employers are a little bit reticent to pick up the people that have been released from other engineering companies um, or construction companies, you know, whether people are, are shrouded with the um, tag of, you know, you, you don't lose your best resource first, um, and whether these other employers are looking at these people that have been um, transitioned out of the workforce um, with a little bit of snobbery perhaps um, when sometimes it might be justified but sometimes it might just be um, ill-informed judgments that are being made. And the final thing that I learnt was um, that the salaries in those industries are just quite significant. So um, in some respects the actual cost to bring projects through from development through construction to operating is a huge cost, and which is why you know if the um, price of iron ore um, or gold or general commodity prices globally dip, these projects can be put on hold in a heartbeat, and it makes the whole industry quite volatile. But notwithstanding that, the salaries are still quite high and the expectation is still quite high and whether we do need to have some um, market corrections with the, the slight softening of the economy. We did see an exponential growth in the economy as well, uh, and that was exponential in all areas. So whether oil and gas or mining came first, then that flowed onto engineering, and then that flowed onto industry at large. But in the blink of an eye, Perth went from zero to exponential growth. So they found themselves, and Perth itself was a skills shortage arena for all disciplines for a time there, and now it's moved into, I guess, those real specialist roles. But um, whether there was enough education or not enough education, I think it was just how quickly things grew, um, that the ab ability to respond and put resources to those needs was just impossible. So there's some of the learnings that I got. And um, I'm sure if you um, connect with Anna or Bronte directly, um, you'll be able to get more insights as well. I... Um, in, in our new website, we've got both Bronte and Anna's details there. Um, if you go to the about page of harvesthr.com.au, you can locate Bronte and you can locate Anna. So if you've got any further questions, feel free um, to touch base with our consultants in Perth, which is fantastic. Um, also, Looking at the skill shortage, that um, leads in very nicely to our breakfast briefing, which is at the end of February, which is the changing face of the 457 being held on the 27th of February at our offices on Sterling Street. So join us there. 
it's almost time to wrap up our Seeds for Success show. But before we do, I'd like to let you know some upcoming events in Harvest Recruitment World and also let you know um, who and some speakers that we've got on the horizon. So um, two things that are are going to move into our next episodes. Um, Firstly, um, March is the International Women's Day month and there's a lot of celebration about International Women's Day and we thought instead of presenting on a recruitment topic, we're going to talk to some women leaders and I've handpicked some uh, women in my network who have fantastic leadership and um, I I really admire them and, you know, they're, they're any woman from someone who you wouldn't even see as a leader if you were to bump into them in the street, unlikely heroes, you could say, to those that we um, know quite well in our networks and, you know, the, the people that first spring to mind, I guess, when you think of women leaders. So that's um, the focus of our March podcast. Uh, we'll also focus on, um, and it's exploring the topic staffing for growth a little bit further. Uh, a local architect here in Victoria, he grew his business amidst the downturn in the economy. And we're just going to share some of his secrets of why and how and what he was challenged by amidst the growth. Because when you embark on growth and the industry around you is not growing, you can be looking over your shoulder going, is this the right thing to do? So that's going to be coming up in our April podcast. So um, yeah, I hope you're enjoying the podcast and we've got um, yeah, some great speakers ahead of us. Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show done for another episode. So thank you for your company. I really appreciate having you um, on the journey. It's been um, fantastic to share and I I hope for not just the months but the years to come people can tap into these podcasts and go, oh, what was happening in 2013, 2014 in the the WA recruitment market? Let's go back in time. Let's unlock the vault. Uh, But also, if you are looking to grow your business this year and this is the year for you, you've got new products, new projects, new services, um, new divisions, new states opening up, um, we'd love to assist you with your recruitment needs and we're continuing to, to grow and staff up ourselves to service our client audience. So give us a call, 1300-363-128 or you can get to us on our website, www.harvesthr.com.au or join us in one of our forums on Facebook, Harvest Recruitment, or one of our LinkedIn groups, um, Harvest HR and Harvest Recruitment. Would love to hear your thoughts and would love you to get in contact with us. Thank you. And we look forward to your company next time. You have been listening to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show with Marie Harris. Want to cultivate your employment prowess? Then visit harvesthr.com.au.